This is The World in 10 on Thursday the 24th of November. I'm Steve Holden. And I'm Holly Keogh. Coming up, Ukrainians battle power cuts and freezing temperatures. He is clearly, clearly weaponizing winter to inflict immense suffering on the Ukrainian people. And a vigil has been held for the employees killed at a US supermarket. Law enforcement will do what they can, and I promise you, more information will follow. Until then, please know that we will get through this. The Russian president, Vladimir Putin, has been accused of weaponizing winter after airstrikes on Ukraine knocked out the power to millions of people. A series of missiles killed 10, forced the shutdown of nuclear power plants and cut water and electricity across the country. The entire Kyiv region was affected, with residents now facing temperatures below freezing. Speaking to the United Nations, President Vladimir Zelensky accused Russia of a campaign of terror and urged action. We cannot be hostage of one international terrorist. Russia is doing everything to make an energy generator a more powerful tool than the UN Charter. But we can bring the real sense back to all the things. And first of all, the UN Charter. We need your decisions. Even though Ukraine wants what it calls a very firm reaction, the council is unlikely to take any action because Russia is a member with veto power. US ambassador to the UN, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, said President Putin was using the cold weather to his advantage. He is clearly, clearly weaponizing winter to inflict immense suffering on the Ukrainian people. He has decided that if he can't seize Ukraine by force, he will try to freeze the country into submission. If he gets his way, millions of Ukrainians will be left without power, water and heat. The Ukrainian president said people were working around the clock to restore power as much as possible. Sergio Olmos is a reporter in Kyiv and told us things will take a while to get switched back on. Much of the city is still without running water. Uh, for example, my building does not have running water since yesterday, since the, the missile strikes began. Depending on where you live, the power outages are getting longer. Here in the city centre, it's still pretty okay. But if you go out to some of the, the suburbs or, or the outer areas, the, the left bank, those power outages are, are getting a little unpredictable and it's really tough. Blackouts also affected the neighbouring country of Moldova, but much of the power there has been restored. A vigil has been held for the six people who were killed in a shooting at a Walmart supermarket in Virginia. A church in Chesapeake held a service where people signed a condolence book and said their prayers. Local resident Maya McConesweet said the city has been on edge since the shooting. It's scary that a place where I feel so safe, like just going to Walmart or going to the grocery store, is now some place that I need to be on edge and be scared and like those were my initial reactions and then it was just a lot of somberness for that those people had died and that those families are like what they're gonna have to go through without their loved ones. The gunman has been identified as 31-year-old Andre Bing, who was armed with a single handgun and lots of bullets. He was the night manager at the Walmart and had worked there for years. Authorities say they are still investigating the motivation behind the shooting, but according to witnesses, he was silent as he began firing on workers. Walmart said all of the victims were employees. This is Chesapeake's mayor, Rick West. For now, law enforcement will do what they can, and I promise you, more information will follow. Until then, 
please know that we will get through this. Tuesday's attack comes just days after another mass shooting. A gunman killed five and injured 17 people on Saturday at an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs. US President Joe Biden called the Walmart shooting yet another horrific and senseless act of violence, vowing any federal resources needed to help with the investigation. China has just recorded its highest ever daily total of COVID cases. It registered more than 31,000, breaking a record set in April when Shanghai was under a major lockdown. This comes despite China's leadership sticking to its zero COVID policy, saying it's necessary to stop its medical system being overwhelmed. As a result, it means the country where the pandemic started has some of the strictest COVID restrictions in the world. Local shutdowns are being imposed, but it's starting to take its toll on people in the country. This man is a corporate manager in Beijing. Only by easing the COVID-19 curbs can people live a normal life. Otherwise, everything's halted. How many people have the savings to support them if things continually stay halted? And even if you have money to stay at home every day, that's not true living. That's lingering on the last breath of air. One city, Zhengzhou, is essentially bringing in a lockdown for its six million residents. It's where there's been unrest at a huge iPhone factory that's been majorly affected by COVID. 200,000 employees are believed to work there. Some staff have smashed CCTV cameras. Others have clashed with security, with claims of overdue pay and having to share dorms with colleagues who tested positive for COVID. The owners of the factory have apologised for what they've called a pay-related technical error. It's something most air passengers have to be aware of when they go through security, the 100 milliliter limit on liquids. But it's set to be scrapped in 2024. Current rules mean passengers must remove laptops from hand luggage as well, but that could end too. This is because technology has become much better, and major airports have been given a deadline of mid-2024 to install more advanced CT security scanners. They're similar to those used in hospitals. People failing to remove items from their bags or travelling with large bottles of liquids and creams is the biggest cause of delays at airport security. Initially, the 100ml rule was meant to be a temporary measure, introduced after a foiled Islamist transatlantic terror plot in 2006. Sean O'Neill is a chief reporter at The Times who covered the terrorist trial at the time. In that month, um, police arrested, I think it was about 14 people in the UK in, in a really hurriedly coordinated uh, operation. And the allegation was that these men were planning to uh, bring um, liquid bombs, um, soft drinks bottles filled with hydrogen peroxide explosive material uh, linked to a, a, a detonator built inside a disposable camera and that they were aiming to bring down I think seven transatlantic airline uh, basically on the same day. Time to get some sport now. Here is John Jackson. At the World Cup in Qatar, the German team placed their hands over their mouths during a team photo ahead of their 2-1 loss against Japan on Wednesday as the row over FIFA's threat of sanctions over the One Love armband continued. The protest came after FIFA threatened seven European teams with sanctions if they chose to wear the armband symbolising diversity and tolerance in a country where homosexuality is illegal. Germany's interior minister Nancy Faeser did wear the armband and was pictured chatting to the FIFA president Gianni Infantino in the stands. Earlier, she'd criticised FIFA, saying the threat of sanctions was a mistake and not acceptable behaviour. 
Meanwhile, Danish FA chairman Jesper Moller said Denmark were considering leaving FIFA and are ready for talks with the Union of European Football Association's 55 member nations. On the pitch, Spain were the big winners on Wednesday with a 7-0 win over Costa Rica. Morocco and Croatia drew 0-0 and Belgium edged past Canada 1-0. One of the most influential punk artists, Wilco Johnson, has died. The musician shot to fame in the 1970s with his band Dr Feelgood and later played with Ian Dury before launching a solo career. He also starred in the Game of Thrones as the mute executioner Sir Ilan Payne. Ten years ago, he survived pancreatic cancer that was initially diagnosed as terminal. The musician refused chemotherapy so that he could perform in a farewell tour. However, it was later discovered that his cancer was in fact a tumour and he had a major operation to remove it. The musician continued to play live until last month. And finally, we'll finish today by celebrating a wonderful old lady called Flossie. She is a cat... And at 26 years old, she's just been confirmed as the world's oldest living feline. She lives in London in the United Kingdom and her owner says she is deaf and has failing eyesight. Despite that, she's apparently still playful and very affectionate. Flossie has outlived several of her owners before she was rehomed with owner Vicky, who says she's an amazing cat. Guinness World Records says she has a human equivalent age of 120. And that's your world in 10 on Thursday, the 24th of November. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.